You're listening to We Digress, and we're your hosts, Deb and Dave Beto. First things first. You're really Happy birthday. <laughs> Deb just turned 50. I turned 50 a couple weeks ago, and uh, we're both the same age now again. Yes. Deb just turned 50. Congratulations on your birthday. How are you feeling about it? Probably by the time you're listening to this, birthday's already over. Also, I'm going to delete that. Why? <laughs> That's gold. Is it? No. I know. Oh, I do have to tell you something funny. Um, <clears throat> This would tell you a little bit about being 50 and Deb. The other day, I remembered that I there was a quote that I had read uh-huh. in a Madeline Lingle book about, I don't know, maybe five years ago. Or something mm-hmm. and it was one little piece of oh this would be fun to post someday nice but on my birthday because it was very specific to being 50 oh, okay but on my birthday i was jumping in the car to go somewhere and i actually drove away and thought oh if i don't go find this right now i'm gonna forget about it sure. so i came back in the house looked through my madeline lingle books to try to find the quote couldn't find it Decided this is silly. Left right. the house. Good. Um, and then yesterday, just miraculously, I picked up that book because I knew it was in that book somewhere. Awesome. And there it was. And this is my favorite. I have to confess that I haven't read a ton of Madeline Lingle books. I've read a lot of her nonfiction. I think I've read all of her nonfiction. And just really a wrinkle in time because once the kids and I got further into the books, we're like, oh, this is too sciencey for me. Mm. And I couldn't read them aloud because I just I would just check out. But I do love her nonfiction. She writes in a circle of quiet, which is one of my favorites. She says, It's amazing what passing the half century mark does to free one to be eccentric. I know. And I've been looking forward to that, actually, to being able to say that and to be that, because I think I've always been a little on the eccentric side. Yeah, now finally you can be eccentric. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've always been there, Yeah, and now it's okay for me to be. Well, now you can kind of reveal to everyone your eccentricity. Isn't that the point of like the, I will wear, wear purple? Yeah. And I think, you know, honestly, what it is, is that you get more confident. Some personalities sure. maybe get more confident to go ahead and be who they are. And and it, and it's like the coming of age for nerds. You know what I mean? It's where, the where... skill. There's a skill in growing older. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And learning to be confident. And, you know, we're so worried often when we're younger to be whatever society or our certain friend group or our circle puts on us or family. That I do think you're right. The more mature, the older we get, the more we realize I can't keep all that up. I need to just be me. Right. And in some people's case, that's super eccentric. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not you're, saying. You're not pointing? I'm yeah. just pointing. I'm not angry. I'm just pointing. Well, I think it's fun because now I can be the same person I was when I was a little girl who I would walk to school reading a book on the way to school and I would, I memorized the cracks in the sidewalk. Oh. Okay. And to know when I was getting to the curb, but sometimes, I don't know if my brother remembers this, my little brother um, at all, but um, sometimes he would have to guide me across the streets. <laughs> and so here so I am again. I, I am there again. And this time it's my GPS or someone's texting me or... Yeah, so take that tendency and multiply it by a conduit to all of the information in history. In the palm of in my hand. In the palm hand. of your hand. And uh, we get... The, one of the bits of delightful eccentricity that you provide 
all of us. I, I think that's one of the funny things to me, and, and this speaks to different people's personalities, but you know how they talk about that the digital age, we're just constantly distracted. I've always been distracted my entire <laughs> life. And you're distracted by your inner self. I am. My as thoughts. Well as, as well as, you know, you're a little bit of a squirrel outside, too. <laughs> but, but now I feel okay about it. Hey, now you're 50. Knock yourself out. That's right. That's I right. decided at 50, I'm going to do the reverse. I've always been outwardly eccentric, but inwardly I'm the most normal person ever. And so I'm going to let that out now. <laughs> now that I'm 50. I find myself becoming more and more normal. I think that's the best. I love it. I love it. We're probably going to edit all of this out. No. So we have a point. I do have a point. Awesome. Um, one thing that's really, really interesting is we are the middle child, you and I. Yep. We're the middle child in our family. We're also the middle child, of, generationally speaking. Oh, that's true. Uh, I don't know how many of you, I, I think every Gen X are on the in America saw this one. Did you see this where some news station was doing a study on the generations and they totally left out Gen X when they were <laughs> doing this and it's it's um, America's neglected middle child and I saw this article that said and, and I think it was from two years ago actually when the majority of our Gen X turned 50 but the title was we're doing well thanks for asking yeah, I was gonna say that is the most middle child thing yeah. ever like yeah I saw that and I was like yeah, I don't really care <laughs> I know, but what's We're kind fine. Of, what's a little funny to me is so Gen X is in middle age right now. Yeah. A, a lot of us are. <laughs> There's still some younger ones, depending on where you divide it, who aren't quite there yet. But we're on the we're on the end of the '60s, which is the earlier the earlier portion of Gen X. In fact, according to Pew Research and the Department of Defense, which I'm not really sure why the Department of Defense is doing this, but they define Gen X as people who were born between 1965 and 1980. Wow. So that's 15 years there. Sure. What they t say about Gen X is we're the last generation to know both sides of the digital divide. Oh, yeah. So um, we are, you know, we're, we're sitting in the middle. Right. We Again... Because we grew up right before, I mean, I remember like in elementary school, the first time they brought in like a computer, like an yeah. Apple computer, an yeah. Apple II. Mm -hmm. Our kids, ones who started with the internet, like all their whole lives. Okay. I yeah. totally get that. Yeah. But not all Gen X is midlife yet. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But... So by midlife, we mean middle of life, yes. meaning we're going to be a hundred. <laughs> yes. Oh, that um, is a relief. Um, It used to be that... You think about people who used to retire at 55. Can you imagine <laughs> right now being on the brink of retirement? It's no longer like that. No. People are working much longer. It's much more common for people to work until they're 70. Right. Even than though, to retire at than, 55. Than to retire oh, yeah. at 55 and even 65. So, yeah. and part of that is the longer that you work and the later you start tapping into social security, the more you actually will have. Right. And so... You know, the economy has changed so much that it just makes it impossible unless you're independently wealthy right. or have some incredible retirement plan for people to retire. So what's fascinating, though, is that the mindset and mentality of our culture hasn't shifted so much along with the reality. Oh, so we're sure. still considering people, you know, like ARP sending us something at 50 well gosh i might have 20 more years of work left to do yeah and in fact they're saying that they expect 
that 82% of us, of, of Gen Xers, anticipate working past age 65. I do, actually. Yep. That it's not even a consideration to us to right. retire. And not just financial. Right. Another stat that You're, is, man, I know, like full of research. the stats. I'm exactly, so impressed. That more than a million boomers are going to live to be 100. Well, that's us, for one. Well, we're not boomers. Oh, that's our parents' generation. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. That, that it is the longevity, the, the upside of of having medical advances right. is that people live longer. Yeah. Generally speaking, this is a generalization. Yeah, of course. And so so really if you think about then what is the midpoint of life? Here we are. We are we just hit it. My great grandma lived to be 102 and I got goals. So I'm if I'm only halfway <laughs> through. So You've got goals. Nice. And, and then here's another one. All right, man. I you got know. so much fodder. On a roll. So the OED, which is the Oxford English Dictionary, which right. to a lit major is the be-all and end-all of definitions. I think that's the definition of a dictionary. Yes. Um, Thank according you. That to was hilarious. the Oxford English Dictionary, midlife, the range of midlife is between 45 and 65. Sure. And according to psychology today, between 40 and 65. The definition of midlife is between youth and old age. So, oh sure. Some people's idea of youth, I guess. Right. Well, yeah. I just talked to some. Literally, just talked to someone who's about ten, fifteen years older than me. Maybe about ten years. And they said that they felt way older at forty than they did at fifty. Isn't that interesting? And I was like, I, I actually totally feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about that last time. But, but yeah, that their are their idea of youth mm-hmm. uh, maybe defined as maybe. How well, how do you how would you define it? I'm just trying to think spitballing here. I think of youth as being vibrant, being vital, and yet having more energy than wisdom. <laughs> I think that maybe when your body hits the point where you can't you really can't do the things um, that you used sure. to. However, I would say that it sort of struck me at 35. Uh. And in fact, I was talking to someone yesterday who is eight some eight months pregnant do any you know do in a few weeks and her oldest is 10 and she said i just feel so old right now and like my body can't do what it used to and i so i think it happened that might have something to do with being eight months pregnant i'm not a doctor (laughs) but from what i understand that does hinder your ability to like snowboard (laughs) so it might it's so it's not physical then no not necessarily youth is not necessarily physical although there is some physical part to it absolutely Uh i mean um, i've started going back i was talking about this last time going back to the y and i'm doing the same set of exercises that i did seven years ago when i first started going to the y and then there's been a gap Mm -hmm. and realized man i a i'm not seeing the results as quickly Mm -hmm. and also i'm so much more tired and I hate yeah. it so much more than <laughs> I did. That's really funny. But but here's the thing, is that it really just depends person to person. Uh-huh. Right. And we were talking about this earlier, that the idea of, we read all these stats and all these, and they're helpful to maybe kind of frame or to give us an idea. We certainly can't take those categories. Okay, if you're a Gen X or you're this, this, you know, generally speaking, they have these characteristics. And what we want to do then is go compare me to that yeah and then define normative or what i should be based on that list yeah and uh, that certainly is a trap i think it is 
very common. Now I'm making a generalization. <laughs> we just lean toward it. If you can, if you can make a blanket statement about a generation, about a man or woman, about teenagers. You, you, Kids these days. Yeah. If you make a, a generalization like that, it makes it easier for you to define. Yep. And there are certain personalities who like to put labels and definitions on things instead of letting them be free-flowing. Well, it's easier for us to, it, it helps us be in control of our world, I think. Mm -hmm. That when we generalize and we look to confirm our bias and it makes it, you know, because the the reality is, and we talk about this all the time in all sorts of areas, not just generational, not just gender, not just race, not mm -hmm. just culture, a you know, any of that stuff that we, it, we like a generalization because it, it gives us a, something, a controllable, manageable, understandable thing that we can then respond to rather than the complexity and nuance of an actual person. Yeah. And including ourselves. Yeah. I think that that was the hardest thing. I And this will be the first time that we've mentioned this on the podcast, but we just saw yesterday that a book that we wrote that's coming out in November, that it's up on Amazon now, six months before it actually is available to you for reading, it's available to you for purchase, which is just wild. Awesome. The Thank great you, thing publisher. about that is that. the book is actually written. It's written. Right, it's done. So it's not like you're you're you would be purchasing something that we haven't written yet. It's it's written, it's just in its processes of becoming published. I think that was one of the things that was difficult to navigate is that we've discovered with dealing something uh, like addiction and recovery that a lot of us want to be told. You know, this is what this looks like. Right. This is the process. This is how it's fixed. This is, you know, we want a formula. We want something. Yeah. And to be honest, um, it's also a marketing thing because marketers have figured out that if they play the common denominator, that then you can get more people to buy it, right? Right. So, um, you know, those are the things that, that people lean toward. Like, we'll gravitate toward what the latest diet is. And then you can always, you can sell a bunch of diet books. And it's because we're just, we're inclined toward just tell me the program that works. I want to guarantee that this program is going to work. Mm -hmm. And I want it to be something I can, simple that I can do. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so the problem with any of that, I mean, you talk to any health professional about diet. Let's go there first, mm -hmm. right? And 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 getting in shape. Eventually, they'll be like, eat fewer calories, eat better food, exercise. Right. And it's a fairly simple process. But the diet books, there's just always a new one, always a cool one. Never yeah. a or a shortage of diet books. Right. And and because it may work for. You know, it's the new thing and it's the cool thing. And they all kind of make these claims, even if they don't make the claim, they give the impression that this is the key. You do this, you're going to get this result that you want. Yeah. And the problem is, is that we buy that right. and as people, you know, we will think, oh, this applies to everyone. This must be good for everyone. And the reality is it's not, you know, um, not just it applies to everyone, but all of it applies to everyone or right. all of it applies to me. Right. And I, when I was doing research um, for the book, our book, which is called The Heart of Recovery, when I was doing research for that, I read very widely from 
um, lots of different resources that are out there in the re addiction and recovery world. And one of the books I read, um, Codependent No More, mm -hmm. is extremely popular among um, the recovery community, especially with people who are spouses of, parent of, child of someone who struggled with addiction. Every book is written from an angle. Right. From a, a personal experience, from a person's experience. And it was very interesting to me because as I read through that book and was picking out, because I tend to be that way, it's, I think it's personality sometimes. Yeah. A skeptical Deb is skeptical. <laughs> to pick through it and pick out what applies to me. But I have heard that book quoted as gospel yeah. in the recovery community. And even Melody Beatty didn't write it as gospel. Right. And, but when people talk about a topic such as codependency, it becomes a generalization. Well, if you are married to someone with an addiction, then you automatically are codependent. Right. We're going to define that as codependent. And yeah. then all that is true of codependence is true of you. Exactly. We just make these generalizations and don't stop to think through and process through, does that actually apply to me? Right. And not as an excuse to not do the hard stuff, but just to, it, none of those programs, none of the books, none of the systems are 100% for everybody. And right. and I was thinking from the addict, you know, I was the one who struggled. Mm -hmm. um, the, one, the, one of the major pieces in my recovery was the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I would be like, everybody should do the 12 yeah. steps. You know, and it may be a piece of a bigger process. And, you know, it's a part of this this larger issue right um where there's you know spirituality there's connection with god there's connection with community there's information taking there's steps to do and it may be one of those pieces but it certainly isn't the only thing that's the thing i hear most of all especially from families of addicts and, and now in my position as a pastor mm -hmm. i usually hear from families of, of addicts and they want to know two things is this going to work what what's what should we do mm -hmm. and and there's a lot of answers to that, but I, I'm learning the underlying question isn't what should we do? The real question is, how do we get them fixed? Does that make sense? Yes. And so what what they want to hear, and I get it, we all want to hear that, mm -hmm. is, is this the right program? If I send them to this rehab center, is that the best one? Right. Yeah, because we're results-oriented. We just want there you the go. results. I'm stuttering. Hold there's on. very few things that are general, that are really actually general, true of everybody. Right. Right. Whether it's addiction, whether it's defining how old we are, you know, research can give us some generalities. Observation can give us generalities. Uh, they can be super useful mm -hmm. in helping us identify issues in ourselves. But the problem with that is what? That becomes our expectation. Yes. There is value in generalities. Yeah, there is value. Like I was just thinking about when you were saying that, I think there's a lot of value. And we even included some of this in the book of understanding from a general perspective, this is what recovery looks like in general right but our whole purpose in the book is to say you got to take that and look at the person next to you in your life and see where they're at and yes. not not take what the Beto's write as gospel you know each person's a recovery is different just the way that you might say something like teenagers are so noisy that there's some teenagers that aren't noisy but maybe in fact I'm scared of the quiet ones 
in our home. <laughs> but may, but to say something general, like teenagers are going through a lot of changes yes. or uh, hormonal changes or are finding their way in the world, those sorts of generalizations are helpful. Right. Super useful. Yeah. But it's when we get down to it and try to take something and make it apply to everyone right. that gets us into trouble. So there are some things that we can say generally about midlife. There right. are things that we can say generally about Gen X, things we can say generally about the re recovery process that are actually true. Right. But making someone fit into that box and keeping right. them in that box is not helpful. And and we we love to have the box because discernment is is so much harder to actually know somebody and know the situation and know ourselves than just to take that definition that general box and say okay that's it yeah and but that's the key i think i mean the key is taking doing the work being willing to have the risk of i'm going to know myself and know the situation know this person well enough to know that yeah these these nine parts of this generality might be true and these three aren't and that's way harder yeah just because we we gravitate i think just by our humanness i don't even think it's an an age thing i think it's just <laughs> right. our our human condition that we want to gravitate towards something we can latch onto as okay that's true right that's going to label me that's going to define me yeah and and again those are really you. yeah those are really useful the personality mm -hmm. tests can be really useful a tool a tool to understand you know what this is generally true of how recovery will kind of go mm -hmm. um but maybe not freak out if all of a sudden wait we were going on this path that was going so good and now we've had this this thing isn't true our reaction then is either to throw the person out like well you're doing it wrong uh -huh. or throw out that program oh that program's yes. wrong and instead of going, no, it's 80% true. Let's let's be happy with that. But that's not newsworthy. It's more newsworthy <laughs> to leave out Gen X and say they're the the middle child of America. Right. And when we're, you know, turning at this point in our life, though, mm -hmm. where it's so much, I got to admit, there's kind of this thing of being 50 where I'm doing exactly that. Like, oh, I'm 50. I can do this now. <laughs> or I can be this weird. Or I can smell this way now that I'm 50. <laughs> and... Uh, to realize, yeah, that's helpful for me to understand. Yeah, I probably should be aware of some changes in my life and use it as a springboard to understand my future. But at the same time, I can't use it as an excuse like, well, now I'm 50, I'm going to go sit in my rocking chair and whittle. I was just thinking about that. Sitting in a rocking chair whittling? No, oh. I was thinking about, because on our previous podcast, we said something about that no one cares what you wear anymore. <laughs> and I just realized it's not true. As long as you have teenagers... Ooh. They care. <laughs> that is really true. Uh -huh. They care more about what I wear than what they wear. <laughs> it's the sock thing. Because, look, when I go work out, I wear shorts and a t-shirt and dark socks with my, with my, uh, with my runners, and the kids think that's hilarious. So we might have to wait until we're sixty before people can <laughs> stop caring what but we wear. But by then, apparently, according to general generalities, we'll feel fifty. Well, but still, people will by then. 60 won't be that old and people will still care. Maybe it'll be fashionable. I'm looking forward to the age when we finally get into like the, you know, Jerry Seinfeld talks about this. When we finally get to like the Star Trek era where we're all, hey, we're all picking a jumpsuit. That's just what we're wearing from now on. <laughs> Anytime aliens come to Earth, they're all wearing the same uniform. I can hardly wait till we get to that as a society that like, this is it. This is the look we're going through. 
What does he say? It's a big, it's a silver jumpsuit with a V-stripe. That's what we're all wearing. I don't look good in that. Nobody looks good in it. That's the point. <laughs> or a smock. Oh, a smock. We could Let's all do smock smocks. I would like a smock. Well, we have digressed a lot so far, but um, I think our, our main point is general. <laughs> I think it is true. The main point is this: that it is so much harder to discern individual than it is to just accept generalities. I think that's the such a huge key to life to understanding taking generalities and being able to apply them to ourselves, whether it's spiritually, physically, emotionally, whether it's our gender, generation, personality type. And if you heard the unedited version of this, no one you'd be hear, shocked. No one will hear the unedited version of this. By the time this airs, we should now have a Facebook page that's active, and you can look it up on We Digress with Dave and Deb Beto. Uh, you can find that awesome. on Facebook, and if you are a Facebook sort of person who prefers it there, you will be able to listen to our podcast in Facebook without leaving oh, Facebook. Cool. So you just scroll down, and if you see a picture on um, the We Digress Facebook page, just click on it, and you can listen right there. Awesome. So thank you, thank you so much for listening, and I'm looking forward to another conversation with Dave. It's a new month, so we might be talking. We're gonna, next time is May. It'll be 